This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. So good to see many of you. If, you, uh, if you're looking on Daniel chapter 4, we're going to fly through chapter 4 because uh, it's a long chapter. I'm not going to read every verse. But I'm going to try to extrapolate uh, some points that I believe God wants to show me and you. If you remember from last time, uh, one of the toughest things for uh, the Lord to work on in us is the admitting uh, that we need work on. You know, we need to be worked on. And that's tough. It's easy for us to, you know, knock the elbow to your neighbor and say, I wish, I wish my spouse would listen. I wish my kids would listen. Uh, but we hardly ever say, Lord, help me to listen. Um, it's, that's the hard part. And we're going to learn here that uh, the King Nebuchadnezzar is also going to have a, a hard time. So if you're at home, please uh, read over uh, Daniel chapter 4. I'm not going to go over it verse by verse. Typically, I would. So right now in chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. And remember uh, last week, we talked about sometimes God will use uh, tough times, calamity, things to, to get our attention. And, uh, and so we, are, we struggle, we struggle with pride. You know, we talked about the Christmas letter last week. You remember that Christmas letter that nobody ever wants to get? And so can you imagine if King Nebuchadnezzar sent out a, a Christmas letter? I mean, I just conquered, you know, the world. I'm the top of the world. I made this statue that's 90 feet tall and, you know, and, and, and send a picture of it. And, uh, and, and I strategically place the, the statue on this place where I'm going to, I am going to bring unity uh, across the globe. You know, the Tower of Babel tried to do that, but they didn't succeed. You know, God had other plans, but I will supersede God's plan. I'm going to erect this statue, and I am going to bring unity uh, across the land. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar was thinking. Can you, that would be quite a Christmas letter. But one of the problems that you're going to see, and, and again, I challenged you last week, and I, and I asked you to do it again, don't see yourself as the hero in the story, or see yourself as the anti-hero. Look at yourself as, I am the antagonist. And so I know that's hard for us, uh, especially in the Western world, especially in America, uh, especially if you're younger than me, uh, you were raised to be special, and you are special. And so, and it's hard not to think that you're not special. And so, usually life will, will uh, throw you a curveball and let you know that you're not as special as you may have been raised. And so, and it's, and it's hard for me. I'm the youngest, so I am special, all right? My mom took good care of me uh, when I was young and, uh, and still does. So, uh, I recognize that I, too, am blinded to recognize that I am I'm needing of change in my life. And... One of the biggest challenges here in uh, the West, and especially in America, is that King Nebuchadnezzar is going to be, uh, is going to be uh, blinded because he's content and he's satisfied in where he's at. And it's so easy, and part, if, I, don't, I doubt anybody in this room struggles with finding food. Uh, you know, maybe you're not in the house that you would like to be, but you're in a house you have electricity, you have running water, uh, you have a car, and you know, you're eating, and so there's this sense of uh, 
contentedness. And think of Nebuchadnezzar. He was in this sense of contentedness if you look at the scriptures. And we'll, we'll highlight some of the scriptures as we go. However, it is difficult to learn and to hear what God is saying. It's not that he can't. It's just that it's difficult for us to hear what God is speaking to us when we are content with how life is, the status quo. We're good. You know, I've got my money coming in. I'm working. I got a job. And, you know, I get to watch all my shows online. And things are good. And it's very difficult to hear the Lord when he wants to bring change. Uh, I read this book a long time ago. It's on, on growth and spiritual leadership. And they talk about the bell curve. And we all understand the bell curve. And, and they talk about vision and, and training for churches and leadership is that um, you want to, they say the lifespan of a church is about uh, 10 years, the vision statement. And, uh, and you want to, you want to upgrade and change that vision statement when you're, things are going well. Uh, but that takes change, and, and, and it's a challenge. Because when things are going up on the bell curve, I'll do it your way. If you, things are going up on the bell curve, that's the last thing you want to do is change when it's going up. But that's what they say. You want to make changes when things are going good. Because what's going to happen, that bell curve is going to come down. And if you make the changes on the way down, it's basically too late. You know, you're, you're already on the way down. So you want to make the changes on the way up, but it's so hard. And Nebuchadnezzar is on the top, and he doesn't want to change. So as long as we're comfortable and at ease in this world, it's not easy to examine our hearts. And God will disturb the waters in your life. You know, one time, um, uh, I call him brother because he's like a brother, Christopher, and uh, just man of wisdom, and, and um, he really challenged someone years ago that maybe God was disciplining them. It didn't go over well, all right? Uh, it wasn't received. It, I think if somebody were to come to you and say, hey, maybe God is disciplining you, your proper response should be, well, that is possible, right? Versus, no way, because God loves, he disciplines those he loves, right? So we shouldn't, as believers, not, uh, I would, you know, I think, brother, I want to call him Pastor Christopher. Christopher is uh, full of wisdom, and uh, he's incredibly uh, sympathetic. He, he feels for you. So he doesn't say it like with a haughty spirit. He says it from a, a place of a posture of what I would call of grace. But if someone says that to you that you know loves Jesus, then at least contemplate it. That is possible. One time years and years ago, um, my wife um, started seeing like spots in her vision and, and uh, her vision was going bad, and so we took her to an eye doctor, and he's like, oh, let's go. you need to go see a specialist, which, you know, makes you all nervous, so we go see the specialist. And then we walk into a neurologist, and, we turn, and there's MS posters everywhere. And I'm like, what did we get into ourselves into? You know, I thought we were going to see an eye doctor, not an MS neurologist. And so there was a season where we thought Robin had MS. And we shared this with someone, and basically, their response was, well, maybe God's disciplining you. It, it didn't go over very well. And, and possibly because it wasn't that we didn't think that God was not going to teach us. It's just uh, the person that was sharing that, you know, I, I just don't know if that was the right person to say. So I understand when you say that to someone, um, you got to be careful. 
However, God will stir the waters, and he's more than able and capable, and his motives are pure and perfect. Sometimes, sometimes when you get overlooked at work, or the doctor says, you know, you have this situation going on, and, and it's usually those times where you begin to communicate with God seriously. Seriously, so you begin to say, well, you might even say, why me? Daniel doesn't say that, but you might say it, and I might say it, like, why is this happening to me? How come it's not happening to them is really what we're trying to say. Uh, and so uh, one thing somebody told me and really challenged me is, uh, you know, when we say, why me, we're really saying, why not, why didn't it happen to somebody else? And, you know, that's not healthy either. And so, and he challenged me and he encouraged me to say, why not me? Am I so special, Mario, that you can never, ever, ever experience pain and suffering? You can never be on the, on the, the, the negative side of, of life. Am I so special that I should be exempt from that? And in the West, and in, especially in our culture, we might feel that's the case, but that's not the reality, and God will sometimes stir those waters to get our attention, and he's gonna stir the waters with Nebuchadnezzar. And so it's usually during these times where we find well, uh, who we are really, what we're really made out of. I have a slide here that says, pride comes before the destruction, and haughty spirit before a fall. How many of you heard that, that verse before? We all have. And it's true. And Nebuchadnezzar is going to experience that really quickly. Now, uh, so he has this dream, and it scares uh, Daniel. Now, Daniel is going to be brought into, a, uh, into the service again. Uh, this is pretty neat. What I love about Daniel is that it says in verse 7, when the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, he told them the dream, but they could not interpret for him. And he recognizes that Daniel, there's something special about Daniel that he gets called up again. He gets called up because there's something unique. And I really, as I was studying, I said, Lord, help me to be that kind of person, not so I can be uh, brought to the top, but that I would um, be used in a way in my field, in my ministry, in my life, in my family, that God would want to, uh, and, and, and people around me would may want to uh, utilize uh, God's gift in my life. In other words, you're gonna have to work at it. You know, you don't want me to come and sing at your wedding, all right? You may want Lauren to come and sing your wedding because she works at it, all right? So she's, so if you had a, you know, impromptu wedding and you needed someone to sing and you were scouring uh, the audience, Bryce comes to mind, Lauren comes to mind, Joanne and Lavella, but Mar Mario doesn't come to mind, right? Uh, so, why? Because I'm not working at it, and I want, I want to be in a place where God can call me at any moment and be used and be ready like Daniel was. Uh, I don't know why I'm picking on the Williamses. Dr. Heidi one time told me that it's very easy to, to know. I don't know how easy it is. It wouldn't be for me, but for her, I imagine it would be. If one of her students was not practicing and wasn't doing their, their, their homework, and uh, all of a sudden they show up for a recital, it, she would pick up on it immediately, this person hasn't been practicing. And so, um, and that's a strange thing about, you know, when you take a written test, you can almost like wing it, you know, right? rewrite the question to make it look like you're answering it. Um, but you can't do that with piano playing. I mean, you've been practicing or you haven't. Uh, so again, Daniel is ready, he's called up, and it says that finally Daniel came into my presence, and I told him in verse eight, the dream, and I said to Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you. 
Can you imagine if that's what's said about us, school teachers at school, uh, uh, people that work for the state? It's like, man, I know that the Spirit of God is in you. Whew, what a testimony. Can you imagine your boss calls you like, hey, listen, I know that the Spirit of God is in you. It's so evident, I know it. And this is Nebuchadnezzar. He's not a believer, but he knows it. May the Lord say that about us, amen? I know that the Spirit of God is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here's my dream, and he shares his dream. And so he tells Daniel this dream, he has confidence in Daniel. And uh, in verse 18, the dream I, I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen, now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation. Tell me what it means. And, um, and uh, I imagine the king was pretty excited to hear about this big old tree and all this, and I imagine, I imagine he read himself as the hero of the story and not the anti-hero. I imagine he's thinking, yes, I am that bronze. Uh, I am that big statue. I am that big tree. And so it says that Daniel was astonished in verse 19 and it troubled him. It wasn't a good dream to interpret because the enormous tree, as you read already during our break time or before, represents King Nebuchadnezzar. And there's a dark side. According to the, according to the stories you read it, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is going to lose his power. He's going to lose his glory. He's going to be brought down low. He's going to be crushed. And we've talked about that in the song, right? And we're going to sing it again at the end. He's going to be crushed. And at the end of the story, if you've read the whole thing, God is going to make new wine out of Nebuchadnezzar. But he's going to be crushed. And I appreciate what Lauren said, but... Part of it is that we want to be the new wine without the crushing. And uh, you don't get new wine out of, without the crushing. Now, I will tell you, King Nebuchadnezzar didn't do this, but we can. We can humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. We can do it in the sense like we can say, Lord, begin to work in my life. And if we have that attitude and that spirit, I believe... We don't have to go through, and, and this is not a guarantee, it's not a formula, through these big calamities that sometimes happen in our lives so God can get our attention. And that's the challenge in, in our lives, is that when things are good, that paycheck is good, you, you got a promotion, your wife and, and yourself or uh, your spouse and your, are eye to eye, you guys are in synchronization, which when you're there, you know it's awesome, right? <laughs> uh, you know, things are good. It's then, right then in that moment that you need to start asking the Lord, speak to me. Is there any way, is there any dark shadows in my heart that need to be exposed? You know, we used to pray this in our staff meeting and we probably remember, Lord, expose the dark crevices in our hearts. Expose them. Bring them to light. I made a, a fatal mistake one time uh, our ministry in college ministry, we were like on fire. We, um, you know, uh, as I look back, you know, not that it was a goal, but it was probably something, my dark shadow side is like, I want to be bigger than Campus Crusade for Christ, you know. Uh, I want to be bigger than Navigators, you know, probably Ross was, <laughs> Ross was a student. Um, and, and the Lord allowed it, man, we were a big ministry. And then we had one student, um, 
decide to leave for whatever reason. And I remember, I think it was Rhea, and Rhea will correct me later on if it's not her. Um, I remember, I think it was Rhea, she said, you know, such and such left our ministry. I'm like, eh, we can get more. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I, was, I was like living a Nebuchadnezzar life right at that moment. When I, as soon as I said, we can get more, we, it, things just started going the opposite direction. You know, not that week, not that month, but man, it went, I literally said it out loud to the staff, we know how to get more. I thought it was a formula. You go set up a table at the union, you put out a nice tablecloth, you talk to people friendly, you hand out a card, more people come. And I realized really fast, I, I, I removed, and part of the equation is being humble and asking the Holy Spirit to help us. I literally said it, and man, our ministry began to, numerically began to, to crumble. Look what it says in verse 24. Oh, king, this is the decree of the Most High who has come upon you. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you until you know the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and he gives it to whomever he chooses. King Nebuchadnezzar is going to go from this pinnacle to the bottom. I had blessing and benefit of having Austin Cassie over our house last week, and they worked with Teen Challenge, and I, kept, I said to them, this is like a Teen Challenge story, because I hear so many people, like, my dad was so-and-so, you know, I had a big, I had an important job, and, and I, was, I was a somebody, and, you know, I was up, going up the ladder, it, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, they started dabbling in, in sinful behavior, and, and boy, Next thing you know, they find themselves on Appalachian Parkway, you know, washing cars on Tennessee Street. You know, if you talk to these, these people that are in the program, I mean, they were somebody's. They were somebody's kid. They were somebody. They were somebody. And, and because of rebelliousness, they find themselves uh, on, on the bottom rung. And I'm so appreciative of the Teen Challenge ministry to, to bring people. They're, they're an agent of the Holy Spirit to, to bring them to so they could see their, their faults and they could see their sinfulness and, and repent and, and see God as their answer and savior. And lives have been changed. And their lives have been changed. And phenomenal God uh, glory testimony they share with us. So uh, he's gonna be transformed into a beast, King Nebuchadnezzar. And at the very end of the story, I like there's hope for growth. And it says in verse 26, and so much as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, the kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't get to that point until they're gone and they're gonna realize that God is king, Jesus is king. The dream is, listen, the dream doesn't mean it was going to happen, but it was a strict warning. And Nebuchadnezzar could have repented. So he heard the story. He heard the dream. Look what it says in verse 27. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and in your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be lengthening of your prosperity. And at that very moment, when he was warned, he could have humbled himself. He could have admitted, like, I am not the ruler of this world. He is. I didn't just get here by my own doing. God, I, I could only be here because of you. That's something that should be in our vocabulary as believers. 
If, if, if you, know, you find yourself to be blessed, God helped you get there. He did. God helped you get there. So questions I have for you as we're uh, almost through with this, this service uh, this morning. Have you ever had that glimpse of your wickedness? Have you ever had a glimpse of your wickedness, your potential wickedness? Can you name it? I just want you to think, what, can, can you figure out what your potential of? Think about it. Not too much, we don't wanna dwell on it. Can you name it? Would you name it? Would you name it out loud? I thought of this little exercise. We're not gonna do it. So you, you know, the question I remember, um, Rhea, I think, brings up A.W. Tozier uh, this morning. I think, I think it was Tozier. What, what did God save you from? He says you got saved. Saved from what? Have you ever answered the what? You know? Uh, I thought of, I could answer a few, and I, and I think Michelle mentioned that we like to be vulnerable here, and I'll be a little vulnerable. I don't like it, actually, uh, but I want to be obedient to the Lord. Um, I'll, I'll be vulnerable a little bit that um, when I go play soccer and when I live my life playing soccer, I come back and I, I stink. My shirt stinks and my, my socks stink. Isn't that weird? It's not weird, right? I'll tell you, I can name you some people, and I don't mean that to judge them, but I could tell you that I could be just like them. So maybe that'll be helpful. This is a little exercise. And I'm not talking about the golf part, okay? But I could be very much like Tiger Woods. And I'm not talking about the golf. If you know what brought him down, I could see myself in him. Um... Have you ever read the stories of the, uh, the philandering NBA players? I mean, have you guys, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, they, some NBA players have kids from multiple partners. Um, I could be that. I, I, I recognize if it wasn't for Jesus, I could be just like that. Um, uh, Deanna's not here this morning. I don't know if she's watching, but... James Rodriguez. Anybody know who James Rodriguez is? Yes. One of the best soccer players in the world who was married to a beautiful wife and he cheated on her. If it, wasn't, if it weren't for the Lord, I could see myself doing that. So yes, for me, I can get a glimpse of my potential wickedness. So that's, that's why I say... If it were not by the grace of God, there go I. I would be that. So uh, I, I have this slide. If you can dream it, you can achieve it. How many of you have heard that one before? If you can dream it, you can achieve it. Well, this is a challenge. If you can think bad thoughts and you can achieve it. If you can dream it, you're capable of doing this. Now, I will tell you this. This is not scripture in the sense that you're not gonna find it. I think it's, the principles are there that if you have struggles in naming your potential wickedness if it weren't for Christ, I think you're gonna be vulnerable with that thing for a long time. 
because um, uh, my friend Dale Kroll told me that you want to take every seed and you want to bury it. That's good. Good seeds. Things you do for the Lord. That's why Facebook is not so good. You know, I want to tell you how many people I fed, you know, homeless this week. And I want to tell you how many people I prayed for. And I'm going to tell you how many. And that's a good seed. You want to bury it so the Lord gets the glory and that thing will grow. He gets the glory. Soon as you pull it out, that begins to die. Same thing with the bad seeds. You don't want to bury it where it grows. You don't want to hide it. Uh, I don't know, somebody, we talked about this with somebody. If, uh, if you don't tell on sin, sin will tell on you. Uh, we were talking about, uh, so here we go. The pastor up in uh, New York, Hillsong Church. I don't know if you've been reading, but he's fallen. He's been removed from position of power and pa- pastoring. Um, had an extramarital affair. I, I could be that guy. If I'm not walking in obedience and humility and brokenness, I could be that guy. There's, I could be uh, the Jimmy Swagger or, the, or I could be any of those people. If it weren't for the Holy Spirit helping me, trying to keep my knees down on the ground and, and being humble and broken and be, admitting. Because I know if I could dream it, I could achieve it. I imagine you're not that much different. You're all looking at me like, <laughs> maybe, I've, maybe I've shared too much. Um, so if your dream is a nightmare and God showed you a picture of your capacity, your potential without Christ, you can achieve it. I know that's not the positive sermon that we normally hear, um, but look what it says in James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And sadly, King Nebuchadnezzar did not heed the warning. He made a fatal mistake. And we do this, don't we? This is the fatal mistake. And oof, it's a bad one. It's very subtle. It happened even in the very beginning. In Genesis. You, take, you, you, you partake of something you shouldn't, and nothing happened. You partake of something that you shouldn't, and nothing happened. And so that silence of nothing happened could give you a false sense that God is okay with it. That his mercy and his long-suffering sometimes gets interpreted as that he's okay with it. And I'm here to tell you, we just sang the song, Rob, the song that we sang, the second song. If he says it, if you believe it, it's true. God will not be mocked. That's true. If he said it, it's true. And so, too, too many times, just like King Nebuchadnezzar, we misunderstand the mercy of God and we think delay of judgment means that he's okay with it. It's the oldest trick in the book. Delayed judgment really just means his mercy and grace and his patience. It does not mean he's okay with it. 
And too many of us, and I fell and pray, partake, nothing happened. And so what did I do again? I kept biting of that apple, and nothing happened. You know, so just kept living on my life. Little did I know that things were uh, happening in my life that I desperately needed the grace of God to come in and intervene. I literally heard somebody, my, someone told me to my face. I was shocked. I was, I was challenging them about an issue of sin and they literally told me God understands. I'm like, where do you find that in the scripture? Like, he's okay with it. I can understand him being gracious and patient. I mean, if he's gonna be just okay, then why do he do that? He didn't really have to take it seriously. I mean, this is serious business, what he did. You know? And so King Nebuchadnezzar doesn't take it seriously, the warning. He, he mistakes the time. And verse 29 says, at the end of 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace. Nothing had happened after the dream for 12 months. I can imagine at six months, he's like, whew, nothing's happened. He's probably, I'm just... I'm just mansplaining this part. You know, his, his kingdom probably even got bigger. You know, he got wealthier. He got a promotion. He, all those things at six months, seven months, he's probably thinking he beat it. But on the 12th month, because why? Because when God says it, it's true. It says this, in uh, the end of 12 months, he was walking around the royal palace and the king spoke. Is this not the great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling of my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty in verse 30? And it seems like when the words were even being spoken, judgment came down. And while the word was still in his king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. What, what a, whew. You don't ever want to hear that, right? Don't ever want to hear that. And immediately it happened. And this situation, his sickness, was a direct judgment from God. Pride does this. Pride says, look at me. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I'm doing. And I find that pride is never satisfied. Pride is subtle, it's sneaky, it's tricky. It makes you feel good when you're doing a little bit better than somebody else. Pride makes you feel bad because you're not as good as somebody else and that's why you know, Facebook, um, like this lockdown with um, social media has been really tough on children and kids. You can't, can't process and, they're, and they're, you know, they, they start seeing like this false lives that people are projecting and, and somehow there's, it's just overwhelming with jealousy. It's, it's tough. Pride is never satisfied. Pride always fixes its eyes on oneself. I'm going to just rush through because I want to talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus for a bit and I'll finish with that. And then in about three, four minutes, uh, if you could bring the band up, that'd be awesome. I want to talk to you about another king, not like King Nebuchadnezzar. 
So I want to see compare and contrast, all right? God is big. God's so big, he uses the earth as his footstool. A matter of fact, it says in, uh, I think it says in Psalms, he has to bend down, Psalms 116, he has to bend down uh, to get a glimpse of the earth. I mean, that's how big he is. So he's much bigger than that 90-foot statue, all right? But instead of exalting himself, what does he do? He uh, humbles himself. Uh, instead of sitting on his throne and, and you know, partaking of grapes and, and enjoying life, he, what does he do? He leaves his throne and he becomes Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, can you see the contrast of Nebuchadnezzar and Jesus? He takes, he humbles himself. He takes humility at a whole new level. And he comes and he, and he gets on his knees and he puts himself in as the form of a servant and, 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 and cares for people, touching people who are sick, getting himself contaminated, hanging out with people who are sinners, Letting people who are sick touch him to get near him. He washes feet, he heals the sick. He, he hangs out with criminals. And, he, and uh, he doesn't do anything wrong. Do you see the difference? Now time has changed, you know, the Lord was raised from the dead, so now he sits on the throne. And I think the challenge for us this morning, and I'd like for us to finish with this, is are you, are you humble enough to recognize your capacity to be just like King Nebuchadnezzar? Are you capable to recognize that you are capable to be like King Nebuchadnezzar? That's our challenge this morning. I believe that's a challenge for us because God is always going to try to make us into better, in the sense like a, a better reflector of who he is. I haven't arrived. There's still areas in my life that God still needs to, as we're singing and, you know, saying, crushing uh, sadly, some people get crushed and never learn. Again, they turn their eyes back to themselves instead of to God and say, God, teach me, help me. What can I learn from this? Where can I grow from this? That's why I love, I can't boast of anything. Listen, um, I'll just speak to my family because they know me the best, but uh, whatever you might think of me, and hopefully it's good, I did not get here because I'm a Solari. <laughs> That's for sure. Sorry. I didn't get here because um, I read a lot of good books. I didn't get here because anything I've done. Matter of fact, you don't have to look too far, and I don't mean to be disrespectful. Uh, you can look into my family, and, and I would be easily just like them. Uh, it is really because of Jesus. If there's any good in me, it's because of Jesus. If there's any good in me, it's because of Jesus, honestly. And so this morning, I just want to say, that's why I can boast about one thing. I can hold my head up 
about one thing. I can be proudful about this one thing, what Jesus has done in my life. Because if it weren't for Jesus, I could point to you all those people I just pointed to. I could be just like them. So the Lord wants us to not look at ourselves, at our failures or our successes, but he wants us to fix our eyes on Christ. It is through Jesus we've been restored. And for that, we should be grateful, amen. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm not gonna ask you to respond, but I will tell you this, that um, if it weren't for Jesus, I imagine your life would be totally different as well. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.